Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. There are a few things that I think we can point to in the Fallout series that show its brilliance, the genius of the setting, the writing, the story. Some of the things on this list probably include uh, the way that they take real world events and then extrapolate it into the future, or the way they take science and kind of bend it into this really interesting fantasy version of science. There's a lot of this kind of stuff that they play with. And a lot of that stuff is grounded in something that feels very real and can be explained at least in, in some ways. There's another thing that the Fallout games do, though, that feels very different, but is still a sign of the genius of what goes on when creating these games. I'm talking today about the character Harold. And if you haven't met Harold, that's probably because you didn't play Fallout 1, 2, or 3. He's a character that spans multiple games and is important. Well, not just important, but foundational in ways to the story. And yet what happens with Harold is unique in the world of Fallout. There are no other characters that go through the same exact kind of mutation and difficulties that Harold deals with. He's kind of a ghoul, but not really, or at least some sort of other variation of a ghoul that we just don't see very much. He's got a long history with the story and with some very key characters in the past. He ends up in a very, very gray dilemma in Fallout 3 where there really isn't a good option. There's just a lot of gray in deciding how to handle it. And for all of those reasons, I think he's a brilliant character. He stands out. He's not the kind of character that we see in some of the more recent Fallout games either. He's a character that came from the the wacky minds of the original creators and then was pulled through to Fallout 3. I guess what I'm saying is there's no clear explanation for why Harold is the way he is, and we're going to get into the details about that. It doesn't make sense, and I'm totally cool with that. Most of the stuff in Fallout has some sort of real-world justification that gets about 90% of the way there. Yeah, you got a lot of mutation going on and viruses mutating things and it turns into other stuff. And that's kind of where we go with Harold. But Harold's version of that is just kind of bonkers. It's just out there. It's just wacky for for being weird and strange. And yet it works. And I think that's part of the fun of fantasy is that you don't always have to explain everything. Now, there is an explanation don't start <laughs> commenting on this uh, right now saying, well, actually, Harold, blah, blah. yeah, we're going to get into the details of this. But it's also very, very strange because nobody else goes through what Harold does. 
So let's dive into it. Harold's story begins before the Great War. He is a very young age of five when he first enters Vault 29. And if you don't remember exactly which vault that is, I, I don't blame you. There are a lot of them. Vault 29 is the one where all of the rich people's kids end up in the vault without their parents. And they are monitored and raised by a Zax machine, which is eventually combined with the brain of a woman named Diana, who was the scientist who was watching over the children and planning things out for the vault. Now, this vault, 29, on occasion, over the years, would send out children as they got older into the wasteland in order to see if it was safe again yet. And every time that happened, nobody returned. And this happened over and over again for quite a while. Now, were they not returning because they didn't want to come back to the vaults? Or were they being killed out in the dangerous wasteland? I'm sure each story has its own explanation, and we don't get all of those stories. But we do know what happens with Harold. In 2090, at the age of 18, he leaves the vault. And he takes up trading. This is a story that you can play through and, and get to meet Harold in Fallout 1. He becomes actually a very successful trader over the next 12 years, between the ages of 18 and 30. He's in New California, he's working between many different locations in Fallout 1, going to places like The Hub. A lot of people get to know him, they start to trust him, and his goods are selling across the Mojave. But there's a problem. The cost of those goods needs to keep going up because the caravan needs to hire more and more protection from the dangers of the wasteland, including raiders and other threats like super mutants. These dangers keep growing and it becomes harder and harder to make a living as a trader towards the end of the 21st century. Now at this point, Harold is running his own caravan outfit. His, his, he's got his own business. He is the one in charge. And on May 22nd, we have the actual day of 2102 at the age of 30. He decides he's going to do something about it. He puts together a party, an adventuring party, to try to understand where the super mutants are coming from and eliminate the threat. It's actually kind of heroic because the Herald that we get to know seems kind of comedic. We meet him later on. He's, he's a strange character. He's very funny. But he doesn't seem like this adventurous type that he was during this time of his life. He, with a group of other people, including Richard Gray, and this name should ring a bell because it comes up on occasion, Richard Gray is better known as the master. He is the main antagonist of Fallout 1. And all of these events happen before you play the game. So this is part of the backstory. So Harold, Richard Gray, and their group decide to track down the origins of these super mutants that are making trading so hard. And they find their way to the Mariposa military base. And we all know what happened at the Mariposa military base. We also know that there is 
a ton of FEV, lots of vats. There are super mutants. This is their home base. This is the location where everything comes from. And to their credit, they don't run away and go home when presented with the base where the super mutants are coming from. They fight their way into it. And in doing so, they take down many super mutants, many other types of mutants, most likely. And it's difficult. They lose everybody else in their party by the end of this conflict. Everyone other than Harold and Richard Gray, by the time they make their way into the military base and discover the origins of these mutants. And just when they do that, things go wrong. In the middle of the conflict, a robotic crane crashes down somewhere between the two of them. And we know what happens to each. This is the moment that Richard Gray is thrown into a vat of FEV. This is the origin of the master, the creepy looking mutant that ends up running the facility and controlling the super mutants. Now, fortunately for Harold, the result of the situation is different for him. He isn't tossed into a vat, but there must have been some contact with FEV. Because the next thing he knows, he wakes up out in the wasteland days later. Something or somehow he was removed from the facility and left there to die. This is when the mutation takes hold. Now, he may have come across a contaminated item in the base. Maybe he got some FEV splashed on his head. There was enough exposure that he starts to it's seemingly ghoulify, but he looks different from the other ghouls. He's not exactly the same thing as a ghoul. He seems to have extended life, a certain amount of resistance to radiation, those kinds of things. But the seed of something else begins to grow, literally, in his head. A small little stalk of plant begins to grow out of his forehead. And this is the part that I really wanted to point out at the beginning, because we don't see anything like this, as far as I can recall right now in this moment, in the Fallout series. From this point onward, we get weird mutations. Yes, we get animals that are turning into weird things. We get combinations of human bodies into these horrific horror shows. But the idea of a plant growing out of a man's head how does that make sense? <laughs> what is actually going on here? And the closest we can get to is mm, mutation, FEV. So, but what does that mean? I mean, we all as creatures on this planet have very complex DNA and the DNA has elements of other previous forms of life. So for example, in human DNA, you can see a lot of DNA that was passed on from other creatures as we evolved other previous versions of the kinds of things we were. You can see this in the development of fetuses. A human fetus at different times in its development looks much more similar to other kinds of mammals or birds or lizards, other things. There are echoes of our evolutionary past 
in our DNA. Did the FEV trigger the echoes of plant life? That seems very, very unlikely, especially because plant life and animal life broke apart from like single celled organisms billions of years ago. This doesn't seem likely. It doesn't seem like there was some sort of inherent like hidden DNA strand that was triggered by the virus. That doesn't seem like it's it. So maybe there was an explosion. Who knows? Maybe a seed was planted into his head and somehow that merged with him physically and he wasn't able to remove it. This might be more likely, but it's also just strange. It's it's very, very strange because we don't see this happen with anyone else. But I would love to have characters as strange and mysterious as this and future fallouts because it makes for a fun story and it makes for something that just stands out from the rest of it. And I love, I love, love, love the fact that you can trace through, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, scientific reasoning for why this stuff is kind of possible, even though it really isn't. But in this case, it just doesn't seem to make sense. And not only that, but we get a hint as to the way Harold perceives this predicament. Because the plants has its own name it's called bob now i'm not saying that the plant is sentient and that it like told harold that its name was bob but what i am saying is that harold perceives the plant to be something other than himself it is a different thing or person he gives it a name and he doesn't ultimately have control over it and we find that out as the series goes on and very specifically due to the events of fallout 3 and the conclusion of his story. But we're not quite there yet. Harold has a role to play in Fallout 2 and shows up in some of the more non-canon entries in the series. But we're going to get to that after we go thank our patrons, so we'll be right back. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are. It's time to thank our new patrons, to welcome them to the Patreon. We have a few new ones this week. Judson, Papa of House Coco, and Toxic. Welcome to the Patreon. All three of you are Tier 4 patrons, so you'll be able to join us at the end of this month for our patron chat. And I believe we're going to continue our whole conversation about future locations for fallout games so be thinking about that i'm sure you're going to come up with some cool stuff because everybody's ideas are just awesome let's also shout out our sentry bots our tier 5 patrons germinator mark c and sky r thank you for the support and to all 79 of our current patrons thank you so much for supporting the show and making sure that this keeps going i couldn't do it without you and i genuinely appreciate every little bit 
If you are interested in checking out all the stuff you can get, including t-shirts and stickers and ad-free episodes, head over to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast to check out everything. Also, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out in the future like this one from I Am Not Nikki B in the United States, who writes, A Fallout Feast for the Ages. As a longtime listener, this podcast is the absolute cherry on top of a Fallout Sunday. The exploration of the rich game universe only makes you want to play the games even more. If it weren't for robots, I'd have never given Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas a chance, and I am grateful for the inspiration to do so. And New Vegas has quickly become one of my favorite games of all time. Even after listening to all the episodes multiple times, I re-listen to any and all of them knowing that I'll enjoy them just as much as the first time. I look forward to what each new episode brings. Keep up the great work, and thanks for satisfying the appetite of this diehard fan. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the episodes multiple times. That's that's actually really cool. Um, that's I, I take that as a compliment, so thank you very much for that. Uh, also, if you are listening on Spotify, you can leave a review over there, or at least a rating and a comment, sort of like a review. Uh, and if you have friends who play Fallout, please share the show with them. I'm, they might appreciate it, and I would definitely appreciate it. So thank you so much for all of the support. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Oh, one more thing. I forgot this during the mid-break. Uh, the Fallout Lorecast YouTube channel is getting a big upgrade. The last few episodes I have put up on there are older episodes so if you've either skipped over stuff or want to see some of those classic episodes with way better imagery and editing and all of that stuff head over to the fallout lorecast youtube channel just look it up if you search it it'll come right up i think there's probably links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff but i'm going back over some of those old episodes and been putting out some really cool videos so if you're into that and you want to see video versions please go check that out all right, let's continue the story with Harold. So all the events that we've talked about so far happen before the games even happen. By the time you're playing Fallout 1, Harold is already in the state that we know him as. This ghoulified-like individual with some sort of plant growing out of his head. And he's still a good guy. Deep down, Harold is a good guy. He works with some of the different communities in order to help them out. He spends time at the hub, trying to make things feel more equal between the different uh, impoverished populations there. He heads north to the town of Gecko and deals with their whole power plant situation. He's taken in by the ghouls because he looks like a ghoul, but he's a good guy. And he works with these communities in order to improve them and make them better. And in these games, in Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, you meet Harold. You get a lot of this backstory from things that happened from him. But then there's always that dilemma of the plant in his head. It isn't going away. And between the events of Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, a significant amount of time goes by. By Fallout 2 and the year 2241, Harold's been around a long time. He's getting close to... 200 years old about 170 and at this point he's become the leader of the town of gecko he's doing a great job but you'll notice that the plant in his head continues to grow now i mentioned some of the non-canon sources and how he shows up in some of those if we go 
to Fallout Brotherhood of Steel, which many people consider not to be canon, we find out that before the events of Fallout 2, Harold traveled all over the place to places like Texas, where he was getting to know a prostitute really closely and the events that play out there. Uh, we also find out that in Project V13, which were a series of games that didn't ever really make it anywhere, this was a potentially going to be more Fallout stuff that came out. It, it didn't really get very far. But in that, the concept was that Harold would eventually be worshipped and the formation of the Church of Harold would see him as some sort of divine being and refer to him as Newman. This group was very, very interested in the combination of mutant and plants <laughs> and called uh, mutated humans Newmans. Uh, there's only so much detail around that and it didn't actually go anywhere. So we can't consider this canon. But what I am interested in more than the speculation around those things is what actually happens in Fallout 3. In Fallout 3, we come across Harold, and many of you, like me, got into the Fallout series with Fallout 3, and you didn't know the history of this character, or, well, at this point, this tree, a talking tree with a face. By the events of Fallout 3, Bob has grown to a point where it's taken control of Harold. And this may not be a malicious thing. This may just be a tree being a tree. We're told that Harold at one point decided to sit and rest. And when he went to get back up, he couldn't. Bob's roots had taken root in the ground, as roots do. And that was the place where Harold would stay. But Harold is interesting for more than just the reason of him having a tree coming out of his head and turning into a tree. He's interesting because the seeds of that tree, when planted in the wasteland, would take root. Harold was sort of like a solution to the whole problem of plant life growing in the irradiated wastes. Kind of like a human geck, in a way. And similar to the concept of what was going to happen in Project V13, a group comes across him and they see him as a, uh, an almost divine figure. In the late 2250s, a wanderer named Birch came across Harold and considered him the Great One and knew that he would need protecting. So he founded a group called the Tree Minders, who were there to protect and nurture Harold. They understood how unique Harold was and the potential of the seeds that came from Bob and what they could do for the wasteland. And this is the situation that you come into in Fallout 3 because you find out that Harold is a person, that he has a history, that he is stuck there, and that he can't do anything about it. He's also been ghoulified in a way. And he doesn't seem to have an expiration date. It's not like the tree will keep growing and live the life of a tree. And Harold the person will eventually just pass away from old age or something. 
he is bound in this spot for the rest of eternity, it seems. And there's nothing he can do about it. And so you come across one of the grayest dilemmas in the series. Do you take the perspective of the tree minders and think, well, his seeds are more valuable, so we need to let him live for the greater good of the wasteland. But in, in doing that, now you are confining an individual to basically eternal torment, being stuck as a tree. Or do you release Harold? Do you kill him in an act of mercy and then steal that potential from the wasteland? It's a dark dilemma. What makes this even more strange is, remember I mentioned that Harold considers Bob a separate entity? Well, Bob is his friend. He even makes these jokes and calls him Herbert by supposed accident and plays with this whole concept of their relationship. But at this point, it has become detrimental. Harold is depressed and he's actually asking you for release from the situation. So which path do you take? There's not a clear direction to go in here. So at the end of this episode, I want to get into some of the quotes from some of the creators on the series about Harold and what he actually is. Because like I've mentioned a few times, he's kind of like a ghoul, but he's not. He's mutated, but in a very unique kind of way. Well, according to Chris Taylor in the Fallout Bible, which is well, at one point was considered more canon than it is today. Let's say that uh, there's a quote that says ghouls are a type of mutant. Harold is a ghoul. He's also a little special. Super mutants are humans with no or minimal radiation damage who have been exposed to FEV. It's a very interesting definition of super mutants. Ghouls are humans with significant radiation damage exposed to FEV. Harold is well, Harold. So he both says Harold's a ghoul, clearly doesn't define him as a super mutant, but then is like, well, but Harold's just kind of Harold. That's the explanation. Tim Kaine, on the other hand, has two different uh, quotes here that have to do with Harold. One of them comes from the Fallout Bible. The other is from some other source. And according to the wiki where I pulled this up, there's no citation for exactly where this source is. You can find it if you search all over the internet, but none of the locations give a specific origin. Did this come from an interview? Was it posted on a forum somewhere? We don't really know. But here, let's talk about the other Fallout Bible post by Tim Kaine first. I know we treated him as a ghoul, but not a necropolis one. He may have been irradiated before or after. All I remember is that he went in there and the guy whose name I forget which means gray, uh, and only Harold came out. Harold's memory is totally whacked, by the way. Most people don't know when they get irradiated. So he, Harold, just may not know what happened to him. I do know that radiation and FEV do not mix. This is another interesting point by Tim Kaine. Mutants are immune to radiation effects, but an irradiated human is killed by exposure to FEV. So one thing is sure, Harold is not a mix of radiation and FEV. He's got to be one or the other. 
and I think he's a ghoul. So Tim, in this post, puts all that out there, lets us know very clearly that although, and I think what he's saying here is separate from animals, animals can get irradiated and exposed to FEV and it does wacky stuff. Humans, it kills. And this is one of the few places I've actually noticed that be so firmly stated. But for, for Tim, Harold is a ghoul. He just has something else going on with him. Now, Tim's second quote says this. As for contact with FEV, any contact at all will infect the subject, but the amount of contact determines the result. For example, I imagine Harold had some contact with the virus, but he was not fully immersed in it. So he became a different mutant than the master subjects. Full immersion, of course, is the preferred method of infection as it provides the virus a large surface area for infection. So this explains a few different things. The idea that a super mutant comes from being fully dipped in a vat because it needs full immersion. But the idea that, like that situation, that Harold must have only come in very brief or very limited contact with the virus. And maybe mostly on his head. Maybe that had something to do with the the plant taking root in his skull. I would love to see what that looked like at different times during uh, his life and what the root system was doing across his bones or into his body. I can't imagine that was comfortable. So that's Harold's story and why I think he's one of the most interesting characters. I really hope we get some more wacky, weird stuff like this in future Fallout games. We seem to trend a little bit more towards... Uh, I mean, we've got aliens and stuff, but a lot of the like hard fact kind of things like this is the Brotherhood and this is where they went and this is the kind of technology they have and all of that stuff. This type of storytelling to me is interesting in a completely different way. It's all interesting, but this type of storytelling makes you wonder things and it never gets explained. And there's something magical about that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you again next time. Stay safe out there. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.